The Jericho Network on Westwood One. The following program is presented by the Jericho Network in association with Podcast One. Podcast One presents Rock Talk, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. All the rockers, all the stories. This is incredible. Now, now, here's your host, respected rock journalist, Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. I, of course, am your host, Mitch LaFawn. And joining me this week from the band Mr. Big, it is Pat Torpy. new album is called Defying Gravity. It's absolutely Wonderful, and on the second part, I have got Terry Elouse, lead singer for Great White. Their new album is called Full Circle. Uh, but before that, uh, let me just get into something that I saw here in The Guardian. It is why rock fans are loyal to the brand, not the band. And I figured, you know what, why don't I invite one of my friends here to discuss that with me? And so I've got on the line from the No Trouble podcast, Mitch Joel and uh, Mitch Gaudet. How are you, sir? Good. Now, you are much more than just a uh, No Trouble podcast guy. Why don't you let the fans know why I thought you'd be perfect to talk about brand versus band? Well, it's kind of you. The first is if, if you want more, just Google Mitch Joel. You'll find that all about me. But I'm the president of a global digital marketing agency called Miram that operates in over 20 countries. I also have a blog and podcast about business called Six Pixels of Separation. I've written two business books on brands, marketing, and technology, and I do a whole lot more. So just Google Mitch Joel. You'll see the whole story there. But yeah, I also do Groove the No Trouble podcast, which I love doing. Yeah, and of course, you wrote Alt-Control-Delete, which is a great, uh, great, great book. So Control-Alt-Delete, but it's Control, okay. Control-Alt-Delete. That's fine, yes. See? Good, good, good call. But still, it, <laughs> it is a great book. But um, brands versus band, let's get into this. Um, what is more important? Is it more important to be sort of five guys or four guys that last together 20 years, or is it more important to just be one guy who's able to hang on to a name? to a name and a logo. Yeah. I, I think what is the most powerful component about music, and by the way, you know, this article in The Guardian isn't the first piece of content to tackle this idea that, I mean, there are even really great books written about how great brands need to act more like bands and how great bands need to act more like brands. So this is sort of like an ongoing piece of content that, that comes over. And I think what's important for, for most people is how music transcends. And I think one of the bigger components of what transcends isn't just the music, but the experience and the feeling. So if I even say to a guy like you, the word kiss Odds are you're going to now think of the logo. You're going to think about maybe a large tongue. Maybe you're going to think about four guys in makeup. You're not going to necessarily go Peter Chris or Ace Freely or Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley. And that's the type of thing that I believe gives anything, whether it's a brand or a band, a longevity and a real substance to it. For example, if I said to you, you know, name the president of any one of your favorite companies, it might be really hard. But if I said to you one of the brands, whether it's a GE or an IBM or even a Moleskine notebook, you're probably like, yeah, I've seen the brand. I know what it is. You don't necessarily know the players behind it. And I think there's always this sort of conversion point, right, where people are trying to figure out, is, is that a big deal? I mean, Kiss is really, I mean, you're a bigger fan than I am for sure, but Kiss is really the sort of epitome of it. Uh, Gene Simmons said for years that, you know, we're more of a rock brand than a rock band. He was claiming from early days that the band will go on long before, long after, rather, the four of them, the original members, you know, break apart or fall apart and 
now with two original members left, you, there are even sort of conversations about what that might look like. Um, and again, you know, the crux of this article was really about um, Guns N' Roses being on tour but without the full original band, but still calling it a reunion, um, ACDC going out with Axl Rose, and on and on and on. And I, I think there are certain instances where bands can do it, and people are just loyal to the music and the sort of experience of being around it. And I think there are those other experiences that might be more difficult. I mean, I think it is hard to think of U2 without Bono or The Edge. So there are certain things where you know it sort of feels very okay and it could probably work and others where it might not. And the last point that I think is also really important is that not all band members are created equal. So a lot of the examples that sort of – I didn't really love the article too much were examples where I'm not necessarily so sure they were necessarily the key players, whether they were key songwriters or key band members. Is it still possible for new bands in today's marketplace – to become a brand? Because when you look at some of these brands, you think of Whitesnake and Scorpion and Foreigner and Guns N' Roses, but you don't really think of anybody from like the last 20 years. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, there, there's a lot of bands that have really developed massive followings. And then also just think about the general sort of nature of pop music and even rap music. And I'd argue that a lot of them have transcendent brands where they're doing much more than just the music alone, you know, people like Kanye West and things like that. So I'm not sure if, if it's true that in the past 20 years we haven't seen um, a band develop into a powerful brand. I mean, you can even look at a brand like a band like Mastodon. I believe that if they went on and a member or two left, or even now, you know, there's a lot of controversy around the band Ghost. And Ghost has developed a really powerful brand. And what is it? All the members left, one left, none left. No one even really knows. But there's still that sort of power behind it. Um, and I don't know if I, I necessarily agree with that. I think it's more that this sort of iconic power that we feel from a lot of the bands from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s, we may not feel that sort of momentum right now. But I think to the teenagers of today, and that's definitely not my category, uh, those bands that they're listening to now, I think, will be iconic to them in, in the 15 years that follow. Yeah, and, and let me just take the example of White Snake for a second here. That has essentially been David Coverdale on a solo project for about you know 25 years. Why do you think he's latched on to a brand like White Snake and not just called it David Coverdale? I mean, I, I could argue maybe that Alice Cooper has gone solo and called it Alice Cooper, not a band name, but some would say, well, the band was the Alice Cooper group. Some would say that's not his name. Right. Right. <laughs> and that, that's the brand is that's Alice the brand. Cooper. But uh, Meatloaf would be another example of that. Right. You know, I think it's, it's I, you know, the one thing is that I'm always very cognizant of when I speak to people about music and they say to me, like, why this band and not that band? I always say there are no rules. There are only exceptions. And I think every band that has become somewhat famous or iconic enough to become a brand is not the rule, but an exception in every sense and shape of the word. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a Whitesnake fan from the early, early days. And it's actually a strange anomaly. You know, one is you have a very powerful frontman in David Coverdale. Everybody loves David Coverdale. But he did something uniquely weird in that when I think the most important things that were shifting in, in Coverdale's band and Whitesnake was always the guitar role. And what's interesting about it is instead of it being a negative, and I don't know how this came out in the zeitgeist of things, it became a real positive. People were always really excited, like, who is going to be the next guitar player? You've got you know, Vivian Campbell, you've got Sykes, you've got Vandenberg, suddenly you've got Vi, suddenly you've got uh, 
you, you, Doug Aldrich, so suddenly you're, you're down. I mean, just a sort of rotation of amazing metal, hard rock guitar players. And it's never been the type of thing where people have looked at it and thought, well, I mean, some people might miss John Sykes. Some people might miss Adrian Vandenberg. But in general, it's always been this interesting mix of amazing guitar players. Red Beach is another one that made it that much more interesting. So Coverdale, I, I think Whitesnake in and of itself is the strangest anomaly. And I also think even even Kiss, you know, in terms of how crazy things have become and people went really insane when um, – when um, what's his name, the new drummer guitar, Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer started actually wearing the makeup of Ace Frehley and and Peter Chris, which again, the guys in Kiss would argue that no, they were just wearing the Catman and the Spaceman makeup. It wasn't the individual; it was the character. So that whole character now versus versus actual human being it becomes a whole other conversation but white snake is a is a really cool example only because it's such a strange anomaly and i don't know if you feel the same way mitch but for me i couldn't wait to hear like what adrian vandenberg's been replaced by steve Vai. like what steve Vai's now replaced by i don't know who but let's call it doug Ulrich. what like to me it was always exciting to see who's going to fill those guitar slots yeah, I agree. And and the team he's got now of Reb Beach and uh, Joel Hoekstra are just unbeatable. Is there a point, though, where, and we'll finish with this, is there a point where the brand should stop? Like, uh, you know, I've seen bands uh, that have no original members. Mm. And you could think of Quiet Riot, you can think of Foreigner, and maybe Someday Kiss. And by the way, I love the new Foreigner, and I love Quiet Riot. Oh, that's the hard thing right there. But yeah. that's the hard thing right there, is I agree with you. It, it, it sounds absurd, and yet the new Foreigner is incredible. It sounds absurd, but I just came off of seeing Toto. Um, and it's it sounds absurd when you look at really who are original members, and it's still a, an amazing live experience. And so the general sentiment I have is that so long as the band that is now touring as the brand is able to truly deliver on it and people are interested in it, I think that's great. I also think it's important to not fool the audience. I think it's really tough if these bands are going out and people think it's something and there's a bit of a bait and switch. But we've come to this interesting inflection point, I believe, where people, fans of rock and roll, just want to hear those songs performed in the best way possible. And it's absolutely true. And the Guardian article points this out, that more often than not, it's more of a cover band than, than the band that, that has the actual name on the poster – but again, I've seen enough of these now to sort of shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, you know what? It's not, but it's still great. The Guns N' Roses one, which I think was the catalyst for this article, is just the energy between Axl Rose and Slash. And when Axl Rose was touring, whether it was Buckethead or whoever else was a part of that band as Guns N' Roses, people genuinely missed the component of Slash. And I think Slash coming back into it makes it all that exciting. The counter to that, which is, again, part of the article, is Axl Rose taking over for Brian Johnson and ACDC, which people thought you know, was blasphemy and should never happen. I happened to catch that tour, and I also sort of sat there saying, that was pretty amazing as well. So I think as long as the integrity is there and the honesty is there and the transparency is there, the fans are there. Yeah, I agree. And I think also it comes down to the component of songs. You know, these bands or brands that exist and go on like Guns N' Roses, like Kiss, if they didn't have songs people wanted to hear, it really wouldn't matter. You could have all four original guys and people wouldn't show up, but if you have these great songs, yeah, you can change a cog or two and people still want to go 
relive, you know, 1987. So. And again, the things you think would, would be absurd, like a lead singer, I mean, Lou Graham not being a part of Foreigner, you would think impossible. But, I mean, let's face it. The new frontman's new. He's not even. He's been in the band a long time. He's an amazing singer, and he sounds great. And and a lot of times, what happens is, and this is no no slight to Lou Graham, it's just a general comment. A lot of times, the newer singers sound sometimes better than the original singers, and that's when the dynamic of the band has a new energy and a new vibe, and people love it. Yeah, and, and same goes with uh, James Durbin now joining Quiet Riot. That band is sounding killer, and and Foreigner. You know, I've seen four or five uh, Foreigner shows, and some didn't even have Mick Jones there. And I got to say, it was still a great two hours. The band, Jeff Pilson, Kelly Hansen, all those guys. Kelly's great. Just gave me what I wanted to hear, what I wanted to see. They, they run around to the audience. It's, it is delivered the way it should be delivered. And I guess it's a great brand experience. And the, the, the last one that I'll mention, because you and I are friends with, with, with the same person, is, is Robert Mason taking over from Janie Lee and Warren. Yeah. Um, and it really took until this brand new album, Louder, Harder, Faster, to hear what Warren really sounds like with an amazing frontman. I mean, not that Janie Lee wasn't amazing. He was amazing in his own right, but another amazing frontman. And what you have is really just an awesome rock record that has feelings of warmth, but also the sort of rock bluesy stuff that Robert Mason brings. And then when you see the band live, you're getting all the hits and a new vibe. And I think it creates a unique experience where, you know, look, Jamie Lane unfortunately won't be coming back because he passed away, but an overall experience to see the band keep going with a new singer and have a new energy and sound that great. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it too. And, and I'll say one thing about the uh, Guns N' Roses thing. Slash by himself was a brand, and so you've, you've got sort of Axel and Brand Slash that together make like super brand, you know, if that yeah. makes any sense. But again, it's a sound, like Slash is, again, it's such a unique sound. I think that's the key part of the article and that, I, that people just need to think about it. It's what the sound feels like in the new incantation. Is it equal to, better than, a different type of experience? Great. If it falls below that bar into a lesser than, if it feels like a money run, if it feels like people are being sort of deceived in who's in the band and who isn't, that's where the problems start. I agree. Mitch, where can folks find you online? Easiest thing to do is check out MitchJoel.com. That'll redirect you to my six pixels of separation stuff or head over to NoTreble.com forward slash groove. And of course, at MitchJoel on Twitter. Uh, folks, stick around. We'll be right back with Pat Torpy of Mr. Big. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. And a big thank you to Mitch Joel for his take on brand versus band. And speaking of bands, let's get right over to our first interview of the day with drummer Pat Torpy of the band Mr. Big. Their new album is Defying Gravity. I've had a chance to hear it. It comes out at the end of July. It is absolutely fantastic. I mean, just everything about it is fantastic. So without further ado, here is the one, the only, drummer extraordinaire... Pat Torpy. We are speaking with Mr. Big Drummer Pat Torpy. The new album is Defying Gravity. And uh, Pat, I have had a chance to hear it not once, not twice, but multiple times. It is absolutely fantastic. It is a fun, fun album. Um, hey. Let, wow. Let, yeah, let, let's start with that. Let, let's talk about sort of going in because, you know, there's not that that pressure anymore to get a hit single. There's not that pressure anymore to be on MTV. There, is this sort of 
the music that you guys just wanted to make? Well, of course. I mean, I, I think it's always been that way. I mean, when we did have the big hit with To Be With You way, way back in the early 90s, we weren't trying to do that. That just happened. And, and that's kind of the way all the Mr. Big music does. I mean, we just kind of go with what we like, what we feel like our audience and fans will like, what will translate live. You know, live is a big deal with Mr. Big. We, we, the live shows are the center of our universe. So, but, uh, so it's just, it's just the next step in what Mr. Big's evolution music revolution is. So uh, there's no formula. It's just the way it happens. And it sounds great. Now, talk to me about the live performances because obviously you've been hit with, um, Parkinson's disease, but you're still part of the touring entity. Um, what are the particular challenges that you face these days? Well, I, the, one of the things, fatigue is kind of a, uh, an issue. And for a drummer, that's kind of a big deal, you know, because the drummer has to be the, the athlete in any rock and roll band. Um, and it's a fatigue thing. And also, a coordination thing, but I got to hand it to the guys in Mr. Big, my, my brothers in arms is that originally when I was diagnosed, obviously it was a blow mentally and as well as physically. And I, I kind of was, I would say depressed about the whole situation. And I was just kind of ready to throw in the towel. And I just told those guys, look, you know, I don't blame you if you get another drummer. And they insisted that I be there. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And they said, well, figure it out. Let's, let's, let's see what we can do. And, you know, so through trial and error, I got involved with a lot of the vocals more than I'd ever been. And kind of, uh, I don't know if anybody knows who Ray Cooper is. He's a famous percussionist that Elton John used to tour with. And I, I always, I'm thinking myself as kind of a rock and roll Ray Cooper now. So, so, but it's, and it's, it's, it's a new chapter in my life that I wasn't expecting. So, and it, it wouldn't happen without the guys and around me and my wife as was, was well she was very supportive and so um i i love going out and and touring because there's there's nothing like it being in front of a crowd playing your music so if you haven't done it you got to try it it's really the greatest yeah i can imagine now we always talk about the music business the music business and the music business but like you just said the guys stuck with you um how important was that, not only just in terms of being in a band, but on a personal level, where they didn't just sort of cast you aside and get the new hotshot drummer to go make a few extra bucks? Well, it was really important. And um, I, I, I really, you know, I, you know, you never expect people to react. You know, you just kind of deal with it. But after the fact, um, it doesn't surprise me because in order to be in a band with three other guys for over 25 years. It obviously is a testament to their character and, and uh, just the type of people they are because we've had to support each other through thick and thin. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but we're still hanging in there. And we're still together. So, um, and also they, they have this, we have this shared belief that there's nothing like the original members in a band. When you go see a band and it's all original members, there's nothing like it. And they they were really a big proponent of that, and I'm as well. So it didn't really surprise me, you know, now that I look back on it. I just didn't know what to expect, but uh, 
it's a true testament to their character. I got to say, I've had a chance to 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 meet and know Billy uh, over the years, and he, he just strikes oh, me as oh, we got the dogs in the background. Yeah, my dogs. Those are my dogs. No worries. Try to get away from them. <laughs> no worries. Mine is here, uh, sitting, uh, sitting and sleeping. But um, you know, Billy has just always struck me as being sort of the kind, kindest soul and just a, a really uh, decent guy. Now, uh, new album, of course, is produced by Kevin Elson. He worked on mm-hmm. sort of your big three. Uh, what yep. was it like getting back to Kevin, and and sort of what does he offer? You know, when you think of Kiss, you think of Bob Ezrin or even Alice Cooper, Bob Ezrin. And there's, there seems to be sometimes this kismet between a certain producer and a certain band. Um, and, and I gather Kevin is that guy for you. So, so what was it like getting back in the studio with him for Defying Gravity? Well, it was really great. I mean, Kevin's not not only is a great producer and super talented. He's a he's a great friend and uh you know he went on the road with us a couple times as well and was our front of house sound mixer and he's a world-class engineer when it comes to live sound as well so we have such a long history with him and he's also super busy so we tried to get him to be involved with us on the on the, the the cd before this one but he was his schedule just wouldn't permit so it was just great that we actually were able to work it out and play and work together. He's not only super talented, he's a super friend. You know, we're, we're all such tight buddies and work together. Well, we knew that. So being in the studio under the pressure of making a CD, he just takes the pressure off because he always keeps, keeps the train rolling down the track. Cause you know, when you got deadlines and you got to get it together, you need somebody like that. And Kevin is, is the perfect guy. And then, lifelong friend and buddy yeah he really is and he just he just seems to bring out the best in the band um the band of course is also a brand and the mr big brand has done very well uh going back to the you know 1989 and yet billy goes off and does winery dogs and paul does his solo stuff and eric and you did the knack um why has the band not just focused on being mr big why the need, you think, for, for, for members to go and do other stuff? Well, I think because we're all such fans of live playing and music, it's just it's not enough to do, have the one band. But it's, it's always great to know that we always come back to Mr. Big, because Mr. Big's kind of been the, it's been the most influential part of my musical career, certainly. And, and uh, I think the other guys would say, say yes to that as well. So it's just, we've just got a lot of energy and a lot of musical ideas and there's just maybe not one band is enough to express them all. Because, you know, like you mentioned, Billy, I mean, Billy and Paul are arguably some of the, you know, well, I don't want to get too too much hyperbole here, but they're in at least the top 10 guitar and bass players in the world, you know, arguably. And they've got, they just never stop playing. I mean, Paul sleeps with his guitar and Billy does, Billy sleeps with his bass. I mean, they, they just, they just got so much going on and they can play so many different types of music. And I think it's just, they need the outlet. And, uh, I say, I say more power to them. And cause when we get back together, it, I think it actually stimulates the whole Mr. Big situation because it's always fun to come back and do it again with you. 
with your original family. Was there any moments, though, though, over the years of frustration where, like, hey, come on, guys, we should be in a studio and, and, and in a touring cycle right now. Get off the road with whatever project you're doing and, and come home. Well, I, I, I think maybe there might have been, um, but nothing to that blew into super, you know, um, animus or anything, you know, nothing that made it where we were like, all right, that's it. We're going to get somebody else. I mean, granted, we did have a, or a, we did get somebody else when it came to Richie uh, in the early, in the early uh, 2000 era. But that, that was because Paul, we, we went to Paul first before we got Richie to ask him to, you know, to come back in and play and do another record. And Paul was, wasn't interested. And, and there was no, you know, it wasn't like, I hate you guys and I don't want to do it. He said, I just kind of moved on. But then, what, six, seven, eight years later, he, he sends out an email, said, hey, what do you guys think about doing it again? And I was ecstatic. I mean, I was excited as, like, Christmas morning. I was like, oh, man, that'd be great. All the original guys back together and just weathered the storm and kept it going. <laughs> yeah, you really have. Um, last time I saw you in person was probably 2001 or 2002 in Vermont. You were there with the Knack. Um, talk to me a little bit about working with the Knack and, and that kind of performance, and also uh, Doug Feeger. He, of course, uh, passed away, but but just a, a, an incredibly great guy, right? Yeah, Doug. Doug was a really, really one of my best friends, actually. And I met him in the early '80s because I played some shows with them way back before Mr. Big. I don't know if you're aware of that. I think maybe yep. some people are. Like uh, and, 80, 86 or 87, like we, years and years. Yeah, mid, yeah mid, mid-80s, I was doing shows with them um, before. And, and Billy and Paul actually came to my last Knack gig and saw me play with them. And um, Doug was a great guy, super talent. I mean, he, he had a vision. You know, he, I don't want to say he was the Knack, but he was the Knack. I mean, he and Burton wrote all the songs and they're all, they were all great you know, contributors to what the knack was, but Doug was the guy who was the, the flame, you know, in that, in that bonfire, he, he was, he, he's a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He's unfatigable, indefatigable. Indefatigable. Yeah. That's that, that big word that none of us can pronounce. Yeah. And, uh, and he also became such a good friend because of Doug, I actually met and was able to hang out with Ringo. He introduced me to Ringo. He knew Ringo. I never met a Beatle in my life, and Doug made that happen. And, you know, just it was such a fun show, a fun gig to play for a drummer. And Doug let me, he, you know, let me do whatever I want. I mean, he basically said, just go wild. I know I was like Keith Moon meets Buddy Rich, and I would just put my heart and soul into every show because I love their music. So I can't say enough about him. He's uh, he's he's missed. I I do miss him a lot. And um, it, uh, sorry to see him pass. You know, it was he's one of the great guys that I've met in my life. And he's you know, like I said, I miss him. Yeah, and and, and I bring it up for for another reason. The last conversation I had with Doug, uh, we were talking about my Sharona, and I said, hey, you know, is it possible that a song just gets too big? And he said, you know what, my Sharona is a little bit like a golden albatross. And I'll never forget, he, he said, it's around my neck, and, and every time I go to the record company, they say to me, eh, you know what, we don't hear another my Sharona, try again. 
and yet at the same time my house my pool was bought by it um is that sort yeah. of a little bit what you're facing with to be with you because that's that song was such a massive hit and such a massive success did did you get record companies afterwards going yeah but we don't hear another to be with you well yeah we did go through that and um with i think that's just the record company that's just the way that's going to happen no matter what record company you're at you have a hit next thing they're going to do they're going to chase it and uh, and you you weren't trying to write a hit you just ended up with a hit song so then all of a sudden they want you to manufacture one and you don't even know how you came up with the first one. You just did what you did and it came out that way. So we did experience that. And, and on our new CD with Defying Gravity, there's a song called 1992, which is actually about that period of time. And right. When you get a chance to hear it. Well, no, I, I heard it and I, and I was actually going to get, uh, that was going to be sort of the follow-up question because listening to that song... Yeah. And listening to the lyrics, uh, it pretty much just, that's what it is. It's saying, hey, we had a big hit in 1992, but come on, <laughs> let us go. Well, let us move on. Yeah. Right? Um, well, and what did we end, what we ended up doing to kind of placate the label is that's how we ended up doing Wild World, because they wanted us to go back and write a song and, and write another to be with you. So we just kind of thought, you know, we... Our, our our headspace wasn't into it. We just were like, oh my God, we just finished this album. We think it's great. I mean, they want, what are we going to do? It's like, how do you go in and, and write a song like To Be With You? You know, I mean, without it sounding like you're trying to write a song like To Be With You. So all we ended up doing was saying, why don't we try to cover that's already been a hit? Because then the label will hear it and go, well, this has been a hit. Maybe it's a hit again. And so we just kind of thought, came up with Wild World. And we had another song called Stand By Me. It was kind of an obscure, it, we did record it. I think it's a bonus track on something. But it had this descending guitar line. And, and we, we were just fooling around with it and Paul was playing it and we just realized it's Wild World. You know? And so we just worked up Wild World, went in and recorded it really fast, and the label was like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is a hit song. And we were like, yeah, no kidding. It already was. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, that's kind of that's kind of how we ended up with Wild World. And it's actually, I love that song, Wild World, and it's become a big part of our show. I mean, people really request it. It's got played all over the world. And, and I mean, some of our younger fans thought it was our song. They, didn't, they never heard of Cat Stevens. So that's that's kind of you know the the adventure we had to go through with all that yeah, chasing it, of a hit. Oh, the, the great is there is it possible though for a song just to be too big? I mean, we all dream as little kids that we we're going to have a you know a hit song and we're going to be on the radio and have big concerts and stadiums. But is there such a thing as it's just too big and then it, it, it boxes you in? Well, I, I imagine there's probably some people that feel that way. I never felt that way about To Be With You. Okay. Um, and I never felt that way when I played My Sharona. I love playing My Sharona. It wasn't my song and I wasn't in the band. But, you know, what happens is when you, it's like there's a YouTube uh, performance of the Knack playing My Sharona at the Fuji Festival in Japan with me playing drums and man, the crowd just goes crazy. And that's what it's all about. You got a song that everybody wants to hear. You better thank your lucky stars. And, and I, I still enjoy playing to, to be with you 
because people love it and that's why we're there. So sure, there are artists and you know, they, that get cynical about their hit songs. It's like, Oh, I don't want to play the hit song. In fact, I think Cat Stevens got real cynical about wild world. And, uh, that's just not how I think. I mean, I, I, we were really excited, grateful, and, and, uh, we were thanking our lucky stars, like I said, about to be with you because it put us on the map all over the world. Yeah, it really did. Um, so so that brings me to the, to talking about the, the new album. By the way, there's a song on there called "Mean to Me," which is absolutely yeah. glor- it's glorious. I love it. it. In fact, there's a lot of songs on the album that I love. Um, oh, thank you! Wow, it's uh, high praise coming from you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it 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 is, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up, but it it I put it on uh, the other day and and listened to it because we I knew the interview was coming. And it just sucked me in. It was like, wow, this is this is great. So, you know, song one led to song two. And, and the next thing you know, we're down to number 11. And you go, wow, that didn't feel like like work at all or like labor at all. That was that was like, you know, whatever, 45 minutes of just smiling. And oh, that's great. That's it is great. so rare that an album does that. And it is so tempting when you're listening to albums to go, all right, I got 30 seconds. I got it. I got it. Let me move to the next one. And I didn't on this one. Um <laughs> and you know, uh, so so talk to me about the vitality and the importance of new music. Just because, listen, uh, you've been around twenty five years or thirty years, whatever it is. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a brand. We're, we're past band. We're into brand. You've got the the songs, right? Uh, Just take my heart. Uh, green tinted sixties uh, mind. Whatever. Wild world. To be, you could go to a show in Montreal or you know California. Put the name on the marquee. And the same amount of fans are going to show up. Um, why bother then with new music? Why not just go and, you know, cash in, shake, you know, shake, shake the money maker, hit, sing, sing ten hits, and what the heck? Well, I think it's just that pursuit of 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 the of music because um, it's so it's such an enjoyment to to start out with an idea, an intangible thing. You got this idea. And you present it to the other guys in the band and then they make changes. And then we go through the process of putting it through the Mr. Big machine. And you end up with a song that, that you like and you feel like other people are going to like. And it keeps you vital. It's like you talked about vitality. Because it, when you play live, it's a combination of, of playing the songs like they were recorded and also the jamming because we've always been kind of a big jam thing. You know, we always stretched everything out and take advantage of the live situation to be able to do that. And having new material really enhances that. And um, it's also so gratifying to play a new song and have people enjoy it as much as the old stuff that they're used to. So it's just a part of what we, you know, the map that we, that we, I guess the, what am I trying to say? Um, the path that we decided to go on right. 30 years ago, we, we still, we're still on that same path. And that's, you know, part of it is having new material. And uh, there's nothing like having a new song and having it go over with a crowd. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, it, you know, it, it keeps the band vital, but, but in, you know, I think we can agree that it's not necessary, but I just love seeing bands... Um, putting out new music and and making albums that are actually as good 
or better in some cases than what they've done in the past. And, and Defying Gravity is just, it's just wonderful. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful album. Um, wow. I thank you so much. It really makes my day to hear somebody say so, because yeah. that's what it's all about. And I appreciate it. So l- let me bring you back uh, about a month back into uh, history here. May 22nd, 1990. Uh, Andrew Ridgely, formerly of Wham, with George Michael, releases Son of Albert. Um, so, what was that, uh, t- 27 years ago? Is that, is that my math? No, 37 years ago? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's yeah. It, it's, it's, been a, it's been a while. Um, yeah. You were on that album. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about making that album. And I know it has nothing to do with Mr. Big, but I mean, coming out of the 80s, you had a big song with To Be With You. They, of course, wham, uh, you know, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and all. I mean, what was that like getting in there with Andrew and and just being part of the Son of Albert album? Well, that's amazing that you actually brought that up because I don't think anybody, that that is a, an obscure fact about my yeah, musical history. absolutely. That is super obscure. I, I actually I kind of forgot about it. Once in a while, it, I, it pops into my mind. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. I recorded with Andrew. Um, you know what, originally what happened was, is I was just this guy kicking around L.A. I didn't have anything, you know, wasn't part of Mr. Big, hadn't happened yet. And I I had met Myron Grombach, Grombacher from Grombacher, from Pat Benatar's band, the drummer. And he he, he and I had a mutual friend. His, his drum tech was a guy that I've known forever since I lived in Arizona when I was younger. And um, Myron just kind of befriended me and we got to talking and I told him I was a drummer and whatever and whatnot. And once in a while I'd run into him. Well, he got the original call to record with Andrew Ridgely and he couldn't do it. So he recommended me. And so I got a phone call out of the blue and they asked me to record. And I was like, yeah, sure. Great. Um, and we ended up going to the Bahamas at, and NASA, uh, no, what, not not NASA. What am I thinking of? Um, what's the big city in Bahamas? Uh, uh, that's a good question. Well, anyway, no, uh, yeah, Nassau's um, Barbados, well, we right? Up, yeah, no, it wasn't. It was, what was, what was it? Well, anyway, we went to the Bahamas. We, we went down south. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we had to go to Florida first, right? And uh, what ended up happening is he couldn't record in the states because of tax reasons. I'm not exactly sure. So we ended up recording a couple songs, but we were in the Bahamas for eight days, partying with Robert Palmer uh, on this beautiful <laughs> beach. And, you know, Compass Point, that's what I'm thinking of, okay. the place that I'm trying to think of. The Compass Point, it was a big studio, and Robert Palmer had a condo there, and we were staying right next to him in the condo, and he was having parties every night, and it was like, I was going, oh my God, what, how, how did I get here? So anyway, that's kind of how it happened. and. Um, Wake me up before you go go. That's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I mean, I know it's syrupy pop music, but sometimes that melody and vocal is fantastic. I I, I was a big fan, so that's how it ended up happening. Just uh, out of the blue, I got a phone call and I found myself in the Bahamas. And, and you know what a great story. And and you know what, wake me up before you go go. Back in whatever eighty four or eighty five, whenever it came out, as as a teenager, I would look at it and go. Oh my God! Oh, give me Iron Maiden, give me Judas Priest. But looking back now, you know what? A good pop song is a good pop song, and a good song is a good song. And that was a fun, uplifting song 
regardless of image, regardless of video, regardless of all the fluorescent colors, you know, listen, you have to just admit that a good song is a good song, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love pop music. I mean, you know, one of my favorite songs of all time, and, and it's not that unusual, but is Dancing Queen. I love that song. I have loved that song since the first time I heard it. Uh, but getting... I love ACDC and Iron Maiden and Led Zeppelin. And, you know, I mean, but I just like, I, I like something because I like it. I can't explain it. It just touches me and makes me go, yeah, this is great. You know, so who knows why? That's yeah. the beauty of music. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think with music, there's a time and a place for everything. There, you know, I'm a big Kiss fan, and I'm a big Aerosmith fan, and I'm a big, you know, Metallic fan, all that stuff. But there are some days where you just want to reach for Rio by Duran Duran. It's just, it's just that day requires a different music, and... You know, sure. that, that's what's important. Um, I just want to go quickly back to the beginning of the career. You were sort of the, the, the regular TV drummer, American Bandstand, Solid Gold. Uh, talk to me about that gig. I mean, I mean were you, did, did they just sort of have you on standby? And, and whenever a band came in and, and they didn't bring their drummer, you would pop? I mean, I've never sort of understood the role and, and what it was. Well, what, how that kind of came about was, was one of those kind of happy accidents. I, I was playing softball on a, on a league softball team with the, some other musician guys, and I met, I met Neil Giraldo, who was you know, Pat Benatar's husband and guitar player. He had a team because I was a, kind of a jock, and I could play softball. So I ended up on this team, and I networked and met different guys, and I met Ricky Phillips, the bass player from The Babies, and bad right. English and now he's with sticks. Right. But what, what ended up happening is we, because of Rick, he knew this guy, I can't even remember his last name. His name was Nick and he worked at Atlantic records. And that's how I ended up. John Parr came into town and he needed a band to lip sync for him on doing a song, naughty, naughty on bandstand. And Rick got a call from Nick and Rick said, Pat, you want to do this lip syncing thing? And I was like, great. You know, my mom's going to think I'm really making it out here. So, <laughs> you know, I'm on bandstand, mom, I'm, I'm doing it. So we ended up doing that. And then John Parr left. He came back six months later with St. Elmo's Fire. And he also did a solid gold. And in the meantime, well, I can't remember the, what I, who I did the first solid gold with, but it, it came out of this buddy of ours that worked at Atlantic records. And, then we met a couple people that worked that actually, you know, were involved with Solid Gold and American Bandstand shows, and they said, you know, once in a while we need guys to come lip sync and be backdrop for artists. Would you guys be into it? And we were saying, yeah, sure, because it paid well, and it it actually was a blessing because I was I got involved in AFTRA, which is the union for television radio right. announcers union. And it paid for my knee operation because I was able to get health insurance at the time. So it was really uh, a serendipity, but a really just a, thank God it happened that way. So that's how it happened. It's just, it's just because of Rick and networking and playing softball. And I ended up doing all these television shows, mostly lip syncing. But there were other shows, too. Live at the Palace was one. There was a CBS show that uh, Nia, Nia Peebles was the host. You know, I remember. Uh, her. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was a beautiful girl. 
was and, uh, I did a thing with Debbie Gibson and <laughs> Mark Lindsay from Parver and the Raiders. Uh, you know, we did all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's funny because I, I have an interview scheduled with Mike Rutherford uh, coming up, and that's where the name came up. It said, oh, you know, Pat Torpy uh, played on whatever, I think it was Solid Gold or something with Mike and the Mechanics. And I went, he did? Okay. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I did American Bandstand and Solid Gold. Were, were any of those shows we ever did. live, though? No, huh? It was always... Well, no, no, they were all lip sync, um, and, uh, you know, they were taped, obviously. Um, That's but, funny. you know, it was, I mean, at the time, it was, I just was, like, excited because I got to meet Mike, Ru- Mike Rutherford. I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. There was one time when I did a show with Mark Lindsay, and I had a choice to, to do, uh, play behind, to lip sync behind Debbie Gibson or play live with Mark Lindsay and pay, play the old classic Paul Revere and the Raiders song, Kicks, which is a great song. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of my favorite, you know, Paul Revere and the Raiders songs. And I was like, yeah, I want to play live. So we went and played live. It's on, it's on YouTube. If you put Mark Lindsay, uh, plays kicks live it probably comes up and i got this raging mullet of a hairdo <laughs> and uh but it's it, it kicks it kicks butt though i mean mark Lindsay, he's way into it and i and i was killing it you know i gotta be honest i i killed it and i i mean with enthusiasm and and glad to be there ism yeah that's that that's great and um you mentioned uh, john parr mm-hmm. uh you auditioned for him yeah, well, and that audition came out of the fact that I did those bandstands with him because we did a bandstand uh, for St. Elmo's Fire, and his That's manager right. was there, this guy named John Wolf, who used to work with The Who and was involved with The Who when they were, you know, when Keith Moon days. And they said they were auditioning for a tour, opening for Tina Turner's private dancer tour, and they were going to hold auditions that same day. after We taped the, the American Bandstand, and they were having auditions at a place in North Hollywood. And they invited me to come down. They knew I could lip sync. They just weren't sure if I could play. So, so I went in and played, and they asked me to go on tour with them. Uh, like four days later, I was in London. I was out, Well, I was in England, not London, a city outside of England called Doncaster, rehearsing. And then we ended up doing a private dancer tour with Tina Turner. That was my first arena tour that I ever did. That's a, it's amazing. And then, of course, you played with Belinda Carlisle. It's, it's just amazing, the, the, the career you've had and, and the versatility. Because to, to do what you do in Mr. Big, which is, to me, very complex in terms of musical style, and then to do Belinda Carlisle, and it, it's unbelievable. A, any favorites out of all that? I guess Mr. Big is the favorite, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's your gig. It's your band. Well... Yeah, Mr. Big is 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 the the peak of my situation, obviously, because I mean it's it's my band. I'm part of the band, but I I, I my approach was no matter what the music was, is to make it enjoyable and fun. And you know who I was emulating a little bit, who was really giving me a lot of inspiration was I started watching David Letterman at the time. You know, David Letterman show and Steve Jordan played drums. He was the original guy in yeah, the band. Yeah, original guy. And, and they and they had all this bumper music you know that and it was all kinds of different approaches you know different types of music and he just killed every bit of it and i just thought you know what that's the way to be no matter you know it might not be your favorite type of music but just play it you know 100 percent all the time and steve jordan he's he's still he's still fantastic and but at the time it was a big inspiration to me seeing him on that david letterman show and it's the feel of what that guy 
like his shuffle, when he played a shuffle, his feel was fantastic. That David Letterman theme, just every night I, I was inspired by it. So that's, that's kind of how it, how it ended up. My approach, you know, started out, that's how I started out with. Yeah, and, and David, of course, uh, always had great musicians. Anton Fig was fantastic. Will Lee on bass was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, of course, Paul Schaefer. Yeah. Just a, a great, great grand. Um, let's just end on this then. Uh, Matt Starr, of course, is uh, on the road. And did, did he play at all on the album? Has he been helping out on that? Or, or was the album all you? Or was it sort of shared duty? Or, or, or... Yes. I, well, it was a shared duty. Matt plays most of the, of the drums. Because physically, it's just kind of a challenge. And we, what, what ended up happening is we were under a deadline. You know, they said, would you guys make another album? And we said, yeah, sure. And we thought, you know, and they said, well, we would like you to get it out by this summer. And we were like, oh, my God, that's kind of fast. Because I had all these big plans about how I was going to approach it. So Matt and I got together and I just said, look, we're under a deadline. You, you can do it and you can do the most of it and we'll just work together on coming up with parts and songs and song ideas and different things. And it, it really worked out great. I mean, Max does a great job and he, I, I was kind of his own personal drum producer because I was there the whole time and we were working together and making suggestions to each other and, and his approach. And it's just, it's a real testament to the type of person he is because he's, not only a, a, a great guy and a, and a good friend, he's, he's a great musician and he's fit in really well. And yep. I'm really grateful we found him. Well, and, and by the way, I would also suggest that it's a testament to the kind of person you are because you're not approaching well, it with any jealousy or with any, oh, he's, the, he's replacing. I mean, there, there could be that, you know, ego can get in the way sometimes. And yet together you helped Mr. Big put together a great, great, Defying Gravity album, so it's a testament to all the guys. Quite frankly, um, it's just a, a nice situation. Well, I, 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 I agree with you, and uh, and Matt and I, you know, we're we're super tight now. You know, we've been around the world together uh, a couple times, and you know, he, he's he and I, you know, we get together and we'll we can talk for three hours about John Bonham. You know, it's like <laughs> we have so much in common about. Uh, you know, and, and he's a great family man and just a great person all around. So, you know, I'm like I said, I'm grateful we, we were able to find him. Yeah, and uh, what you should be doing though is is getting Ace Fraley stories and then calling me and telling me because that's that that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got some. He definitely has some stories about Ace. Oh, pretty good. I, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. Um, Pat, always a pleasure, and uh, it's been yeah, way too, too long since you. I've seen you live. Uh, you know, whatever it was, two thousand one, two thousand two, or whatever it was, uh, with the knack, it's 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 too long. We we got to make sure you get up to uh, to Montreal, to Canada, to you know, the Northeast, so that we can have a another gander at Mister Big. And uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'd, uh, we'd love to. We'd love to. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Rock Talk. Hey everybody, this is Spike Ferriston from Spike's Car Radio. We're out here in the porch of uh, at the Malibu Kitchen at the Malibu Country Mart every weekend doing podcasts. 
My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. We're going to have Jeremy Piven. We're going to have Chris Hardwick. See you soon on Spike Scar Radio. I think he's over-projecting for a podcast. <laughs> and I love to over-project for podcasts. Join me every week at PodcastOne.com and Apple Podcasts. Now back to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Welcome back, and a big thank you to Mr. Big's Pat Torpy. Of course, her new album is Defying Gravity. So uh, let us move on to our second interview of the day. It is with Terry Illus of the band Great White. They have a new album out called Full Circle. And earlier, uh, or on an earlier episode, I had a nice chat with uh, guitarist Mark Kendall. We talked about that, the L.A. Rams, uh, sobriety, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, Terry... Uh, helped me out on my a, a World with Heroes Kiss tribute album back in 2013, which was done for my um, wife's father who passed away from prostate cancer. And he helped, uh, along with Mark Kendall, raise over $35,000 for a local hospice or a palliative care home here in uh, Montreal. He covered the song Forever with um, Sean Kelly, on guitar, Sean, of course, plays with Lee Aaron, has played with Helix, was part of the original 4 by Fate lineup. And if you want to check out Sean and Terry's version of Forever, head over to iTunes and just type in Kiss Tribute, and eventually you will find A World with Heroes. But uh, until then, let me talk to you about what uh, Terry's going on, got going on. It is not just a full circle album. He has got a solo album called Gypsy Dreams, in which he covers Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Def Leppard, and a whole bunch of other bands. But here's the thing. It is not done plugged in, Marshall Amps to 10, and all that wonderful stuff. No, 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 no. It is done flamenco style. Uh, He's got a little twist on it. So, uh, well, you know, let, let me tell you what. Let me let Terry explain that to you. Uh, very much looking forward to the upcoming Great White Show that I'm going to go see. So uh, without further ado, here is, or I guess since Terry's French, Le Voici, Le Seul et Unique, the one and only, Terry Illus. We are speaking with singer Terry Illus. I like the way I say that. Don't you like the way I say that? From Great White. Uh, <laughs> bonjour, mon cher Terry. Good day. How are you? Bonjour, Mitch. Comment ça va? Ça va bien? Ah. Fantastic. Très, très bien. Um, <laughs> I could do the whole interview in French. As you know, I speak French, but uh, I don't think yeah. the uh, English audiences would would appreciate it. So we, we've got a lot to talk about, obviously. Okay. Uh, right. Great White, of course, has Full Circle, uh, the album. And uh, I just interviewed Mark, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But sure. l- let me start off with... Um, well, you know what? In fact, I'll start off with something you did for me in 2013. Uh, you recorded right. the song Forever, uh, the Kiss track yeah. for mm-hmm. uh, the palliative care home and, and the, the, the thing. About, about a year ago, I guess, you put it out on a video. Um, yeah. And that was for George Tutko. Just, just talk to me about using that song in the video on YouTube and, and producer George Tutko and what that was... Uh, you know, putting that song together. and Because it's a very touching video. If people haven't seen it, go to YouTube, look up Terry Illus Forever. And the video is just, it makes you want to cry, actually. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Well, George was, uh, well, thank you so much. George Tutko was my mentor. George um, basically discovered me 
uh, and the band XYZ back in the days. Um, when no one uh, wanted to sign us, when no one wanted to, to hear about XYZ, and, and especially myself uh, as a French singer trying to make it in the U.S., um, George believed in me and, and gave me my first shot. He, he used to come to the studio uh, um, and, um, and help us uh, produce the songs. He, he did everything for us. He, he was a, a mentor. He was an inspiration. He was everything. And uh, I, I don't think without, I don't, to be really honest with you, I don't think that I'd be here today talking to you if it wasn't for, for, for him and some people like himself. Um, He's, he's made a big difference in my life, and I, I will forever be thankful and grateful. So um, I tried to raise money for him, and I did, actually. I raised a, quite a, a good amount of money for, for, for him because I, I was told that he could make it. He, could, he, he had cancer, and I was told by, by some people that all he needed is money and everything. So I raised money for him. I did a bunch of things. But I... Um, after talking to, to his wife, uh, she said, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, he's, you know, it's not going to happen. He's just, he's just very optimistic, but it's not going to happen. And, um, we released the video, we raised money. I was so happy with that. And, and he passed away and I went to his funerals and, and that was it. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, I'm glad that you had a chance to, to use the song and use the video. Cause, um, sure. My wife's father had passed away, and which is why we had put together the a World with yeah. Heroes Kiss tribute, and we raised over $35,000 for a palliative care home here in the, in the Montreal area. And right. by the time 2000, that was 2013, George was 2015, so, so that project had sort of run its course, and it was just nice to have a renewal, uh, you know, a renewal of that purpose. Renewal. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was just nice to, to see. So, 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 you know, so, so thank you for, for, for keeping that song thank alive and, and keeping the purpose of why we did all of that. Uh, alive, and of course, for those who don't know, George was involved with Bob Dylan, John Mellencamp, Rod Stewart, Lita Ford, Duran Duran, yeah. Great White. He did Elation, of course, or he remixed Elation on the second yeah, go around. Uh, so anyway, uh, I mean, I think you know, just to talk briefly about that, I think it, it, I'm, I'm glad you did what you did, help uh, raise money for for, for him, uh, your father-in-law, and and um, I think it's important to be the voice. I always say it's important to try to be the voice for, for those who can't speak or, 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 you know what I mean? And, and it's important to help each other. I think it's, it's the, it's the, uh, it's, it's something well, that I'm humanity I to myself. You know, yeah. well, it's just one you, thing. You know, you said humanity, yeah. humanity, but you know, you know, Mitch, a lot of people don't care. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people care, thank God. But a lot of people, when they have the power, when they become famous, when they have the money, all of a the sudden they become different. And the, what I call the little people or whomever, they forget about them. They say, ah, oh, you know, I'm a star, I'm that. You know, no one, when, when, let, me, let me tell you, my friend, and you know that because I know you, you've been ill before. I remember talking to you about that. Yep. When you, you can be the biggest rock star in the world and blah, blah, blah. But when you're laying down in a hospital bed, <laughs> you feel very small. I tell you that. You feel really small. It doesn't matter. Even if you just have the flu, you freak out. You're like, oh, my God, I have the flu. But imagine when you have cancer or if you have something else. So we need to help those who, who need help. That's all. Yeah, I, I really believe in that. And, and 
you know, you mentioned I, I had had uh, two heart surgeries in, in the last, yeah. um, what was the first of 2012? Four or five years. In the last four or five years. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you, you feel very small sometimes, uh, you know, and, and to use the French, because we're, we're going to go with some French here, on se sent renfermé. We, we sort of feel closed in. Renfermé. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Apart from the world, uh, like completely uh, apart from the world, like you feel like no one remembers you. All of a sudden, you're in this room, and you said, "Oh my God!" You know, I was who I was, and and here I am. And in fact, this morning I read something very interesting about Steve Jobs, who who was a brilliant mind. He said, "With all the money I have, it, it, what I've accomplished and everything, you know, I'm not gonna take that away from me. And if there's one thing I would like to do is." Is right now this present moment is remember my my family my 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 friends and my this is more important than all the money in the world, and it's true you know uh, we're uh, anyway anyway let's not go to uh, let's let's not get too uh, philo- philosophical <laughs> let's let's in fact let's remember something else and um, that's what your album is Gypsy Dreams it sure. remembers a lot of these songs that we all grew up on. Uh, Boys of Summer yeah. by Don Henley, Long Train Rumming, Do- uh, Doobie Brothers, Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath, Love Bites, Def Leppard. Anyway, uh, nine songs. But your treatment of the songs is what's absolutely fascinating. Because we know you have the voice. If you wanted to plug in the, the, you you. Know, the, the guitars and the marshals and stick this up to ten and sound like you know, um, Ronnie James Dio or, or Joe Elliott, you, you, you could. But you choose, you chose to go sort of... I guess we'll call it flamenco. I mean, for the for the lack of a better word, right? Yeah, Spanish uh, flamenco. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 talk to me about taking these heavy metal songs. Well, most of them are heavy metal songs. Maybe not Don Henley, but most right. of them, and giving them <laughs> that that flamenco treatment. And how is it that you sort of heard that in your head? Like when I hear Heaven and Hell, I don't hear flamenco guitars. You turned it into that, and I gotta tell you, it works. So, so talk to me about the project and putting it together and assembling it and just going down that musical path. Well, um, you know, Mitch, I, I'm French Spanish. You know, my, my dad was from, uh, my dad's family was from Spain, from Barcelona. And, uh, my grandma was from Madrid. My mom is French, uh, born and raised, but, uh, you know, so I'm half and half. And, um, when I grew up, my, my dad, of course, my dad was a guitar player. He was a, a Django Reinhardt uh, disciple. You know, he used to play that kind of music. And he, um, I remember very well the moment where he said, I was a kid, but I remember that for some reason. He, he used to play me all those type of music, uh, from Brazilian music to, to rock, to, to flamenco and all that stuff. And I was really impressed by, by, by the, by, by those sounds. And eventually my parents divorced and, and my mom remarried a Spaniard, another Spaniard, I guess <laughs> it's in the family. We love Spain. So remember going to Spain all the time. And my stepdad, I love him. used to take me to watch those flamenco shows. Those are uh, gypsy gatherings, you know, where the, the singers is dancing and, and, and singing at the same time. It's beautiful. And, I was really, um, I, I loved that sound so much that eventually when I, when I became a rock singer, I always, I said to myself, you know what, one day I'll be able to mix all those genres of music. I'll be able to do this and that. And when I which was time to do something different, I said, you know, I'm going to do an album that's going to have a little bit of rock, a little bit of 
acoustic thing and a little bit of Spanish flamenco sound. And this is exactly what I did. And, and, it, and it turned out very well. Now, is, Thank this, you. is this a project that you're, you know, you did it, we're done and that's it? Or do you see yourself like in two years, three years or next year saying, OK, I did those nine. Here's another nine. Like, here's another ten. Is this something that you'd want to have as, as in a series, put out two or three albums like this? Or do you want to go somewhere else and do a jazz album or a more classical album? Or Well, I'm not sure, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, as an artist, I believe you have to, to push yourself. You have to always, uh, I wouldn't say reinvent yourself, but you, you have to try to challenge yourself, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I've done rock for so many years and everything, and... and you know, I love rock, of course, and blues, but I think it's important to challenge yourself, you know, and to push the limits to see if you, if you can do something else. So uh, that is the purpose uh, behind this album, to challenge myself, to see if I could do it. As far as another album like that, I really don't know. Um, I have no idea where this will take me, to be honest with you. I, I know I'm very pleased, uh, very pleased with the result. I'm very happy with what I've done. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, I'm a perfectionist, so I could have said, oh, I could have done better here or there, but the bottom line is, I'm pleased, I've done it, now who knows what's going to happen, I have no idea, to be honest with you, um, at the present time, it's like, you know, on ne sait pas, like we say in French, we have no idea, we don't know, you know, we'll see. Je ne sais pas, je ne sais pas, I don't know, I don't je know. Je ne sais pas. Um, um, speaking of very pleased, of course, uh, Great White has recently released um, Full Circle. And as a fan, right. I'm very pleased by the results. And, and you, correct okay. me, you correct me if I'm wrong, but Elation was a great record. I love that record. But on yeah. this one, it seems to me as though you're more comfortable as being sort of the singer. On, it just seems as though the band is gelling better. And, and I, it, that's not to say that you weren't good before, it, but it just seems like a more, you know... F- collaborative it, it, how do you look at it, it this being your second great white album studio yeah well well studio yeah because you did the you, 30th anniversary yeah, the live. Studio, right. yeah you know um w- when i first did the first album with a great white i was just uh i was told basically i would just join the band like a year before that and i said okay you gotta go in studio and you have to sing and, and i was still new at it and um I was afraid to to disappoint myself and disappoint certain fans. I really didn't know where to, where to go with that. Meaning, uh, I thought, well, maybe I should sound more like the previous singer, and not so much like myself. Uh, maybe I should try to to tone down that kind of thing I do all the time, the bluesy things. And, and so I, I was very safe on on elation. I have to say, I was safe. And then right. Uh, after spending so many years on the road with Mark, Michael, Adi, and Scotty, um, we became really good friends. We became really tight. And um, <clears throat> when when it was time to, to go to Nashville to record the new album, we we all felt really comfortable. We after you know after being we we've been on the road for like the last seven years nonstop, and after being on the road so so, so many times, we it just came naturally. Mark said, you know, I want to write an album that's going to suit your voice. And I remember very well when he said that. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, I really like your voice, and, and I want to make sure we do something that's going to, it's going to make you sound good. Right. You know, highlight like your, your, your tone and all that. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, highlight my voice. And I said, well, that's really nice of you, you know. So 
when it was time to collaborate, uh, all of us, in fact, we all sat down together in Nashville. We rented a house in Nashville. And the five of us, we went to Nashville and we started writing songs. And it came out naturally that it was the right thing to do, to be more bluesy, a bit heavier, a bit... Uh, and of course, I'm very, very comfortable with that album because we all, we every one of us has written a part, whether it's the lyrics or music or arrangement. We all, like we say, a big family, you know. So, do you do you at this point consider yourself a member of Great White in that larger sense, or or are you still just the new guy, and you sort of got to be? <laughs> I mean, because there there is that that moment where. Oh, hey, you're the new guy. We do our albums our way. Thank you for the input, but you know, are, are you are you a are are you is Great White your band now? Oh uh, yes, Great White is my band. There's no doubt about it. As far as being the new guys, I will always be the new guy. In this, let's face it. Uh, those guys have uh, have done an amazing work without me, and uh, they've written great songs. So, uh, you know, they have a wonderful legacy. So, you know, I will all, always be the new guy. Now, as far as, um, yes, it is my band completely, but as far as the uh, feeling comfortable, I'm completely comfortable now. It's just I'm more reserved when it comes to certain things I, that's their band. So they, they make the, I mean, business-wise, they make the decisions, and I totally respect that. But when it comes to being a band on the road and, and writing songs and everything. No, Great White is a band, and and Terry Luce is the singer. And I'm very pleased. I, I like the way we, we collaborate that way, and I'm very pleased with that. Now, of course, on Full Circle, you got to work with uh, Michael Wagner, and he yeah. has done Alice Cooper, Dawkins, uh, Extreme, uh, Megadeth, Metallica, Molly Crow, right. just on and on and on and on and on. Sure. One of the greatest in, in our genre, you know, in the sort of melodic rock sure. genre, Sure. What was that like for you to work with him? First of all, had you ever worked with him before? I don't think you have, right? Not with XYZ. No, no I have ne never, never met him. Okay. Uh, I, was kind of a, I was kind of impressed, to be honest with you. I was very shy the first time I met him, reserved, I would say. And I said, oh, my God, that's Michael Wagner. I mean, you know, and Michael is very approachable. He's uh, a people person. He talks, he laughs, he cracks jokes, which is very... Interesting because most German, and he would say that himself, are pretty reserved and don't have much of a sense of humor. They usually don't have a, a good sense of humor. They're, they're strict, you know. Um, but not Michael. Michael is funny. He cracks jokes all the time, and he's and he's very direct. If he likes you, he will tell you. If he don't like something, he'll tell you as well. And no filter. He's not gonna try to be uh, to 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 sugarcoat you. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, we are in the studio. And uh, he said, okay, well, let's sing something. So I'm, so I'm, I'm in the studio recording the thing. And um, I, I don't know where I'm going because the, uh, the, the, the part, I didn't expect that bridge section to come along. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I kind of sang so-so. You know, it wasn't perfect. And Michael, who's got no filter and, and got a very heavy German accent like Arnold Schwarzenegger said to me, although Arnold is from Austria, by the way. Right. Uh, he said to me, Terry, don't sing flat. <laughs> don't don't sing flat. That's all he said to me. He didn't try to be like, oh, you know, it's it's good, but you can do better. You know, try different notes. No, don't sing flat, okay? That was it. I'm like, wow, no filter. So, but I laughed about it because it's 
It's the way he is. Michael Wagner is a brilliant, brilliant person to work with, brilliant producer. He makes you feel comfortable and you get the best out of you, out of an artist. I love Michael Wagner. Yeah, and listen, his track record just speaks for itself. I mean, when you look at at all the albums, you go, okay, if he's telling me this, I'm going to listen. Because, you know. Um, did And you get some great stories, by the way. We ask so many stories. We, we told them when we were having lunch, I said, can you tell me about the time when you recorded Skid Row and when you worked <laughs> with Extreme and Ozzy? So he told us some stories, some some very interesting stories. Of course, we were not talk about that um and we will after we hang up we will no i'm just kidding no but the other (laughs) thing he's a gentleman let me ask you this thing about michael too in the recording process because you know it's 2017 or, or 2016 maybe when you started the album but we have pro tools and we can fly stuff in and we can auto tune and we can he doesn't do that Not as him. far as yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so what is it like for you? Because you've always seemed to be sort of from that uh, organic recording and organic singing to have a sure. guy who understands that and doesn't. You know, when he's telling you don't be flat, you could have been flat, and he could have auto tuned sure. it. But that's not yeah. what rock and roll is. So, what was that like to have that guy who's just really into let's do this the right way, old school. Well, it was brilliant. I tell you what, because it's like I could be myself. I, I tried so many things, and he said, "I like it." Nah, I don't like it. You know, you know. And I'm like, "Okay, let's do this again." You know, he, he was really organic. He said, "We don't use auto tune, auto tune. We don't use Melodyne or any kind of those plugins to to fix the voice." He said, "Whatever you're going to do right now, it's going to be on the record." I said, "Okay, perfect," and I like that. M- nowadays. I mean, no disrespect to other artists, and I'm not gonna try to be uh, to name anyone. You know, a lot of artists they sing and they sound like chipmunks, or they sound like really cookie cutters. They all sound alike. They lost that sound. They lost that personality. Well, they lost the soul. I mean, that's what they lost. There's no soul anymore, there's my no friend. Soul. There's no soul anymore. I mean, I don't. I don't want to be sound like an old man. Well, I'm not that well, young, we, but the we, truth we is, both are. Yeah. <laughs> we're both a little old. <laughs> but, no. But, you know, back in the days, you, you would hear a singer like Steve Marriott. You knew it was Steve Marriott. You would hear Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley, that's Paul Stanley. You would hear Robert Plant. That's Robert Plant. Nowadays, all, all the singers, they all sound alike. They're all great, by the way, but they all sound alike. He was telling me, Michael was telling me that when they record things in Nashville, automatically the singer would sing a line and automatically they would add autotune. I'm like, Why? See, well, that's the way it is. It's got to sound, they need, they're looking for that sound. Same for rap, same for rock nowadays. They're looking for that sound. And I have to tell you, it's, it, 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 a record company did that, N- not the artist himself. The record company said, oh, that's the standard. We need to sound, we need to, to have that sound out. And unfortunately, I think it killed a lot of, it killed the soul. I mean, nowadays you don't have the soul anymore. You hear good stuff, but there's no soul. You know, you don't. And, and it's it's such a pity because you look back to, well, you, you covered Led Zeppelin. You look back to the early Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin. You look back to the early mm-hmm. Sabbath and, and, and Kiss and all those bands. Mm-hmm. And some of the greatest moments in the songs are the mistakes, are the things that we would be taking <laughs> out now. And you're like, I mean, you listen to Strange Ways by Kiss, for example. The guitar mm-hmm. and the drums are, I mean, just all over the place. But that's, what, but that's <laughs> yes. what's great about it. Right, I mean that's what's redeeming. Yeah. So, so we we've lost that that soul, and, and and it's a pity, you know. X Y Z, by the way, the band. 
yeah. the last time, and you correct me again if I'm wrong, but the last time they played or you played together was 2008 uh, at Rocklahoma, uh, or did you play since? Oh no, you did um, we you did the boat, the cruise, right? Okay, yeah, we right, did right, the right. boat. We did the cruise in two in two fifteen or two fourteen, right, 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 I right, believe. Right, 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 right. That was the last time we played together. Is there? Uh, a desire to make another XYZ album or, or to, to do more shows? Or is it just sort of nice to say, okay, that's where I came from and it's in my past and très bon, it was a great band, but... Well, it, it, at, at the moment, my, uh, at the moment I, I want to concentrate on Great White and at the moment I want to concentrate on my own uh, uh, release uh, from Enco Rock album. As far as XYZ, you know, I'm, I'm so bu- busy doing so many things that I know I may upset some fans, but uh, you know, at the moment I, I cannot uh, do XYZ. Uh, my my main focus is being the the lead singer of Great White at the moment. Yeah, so, and and I, I haven't seen you as the singer of Great White yet. Hopefully, in July when you're at the Verona uh, Casino, I'll come yeah. and change that. But um, I have seen the clips on on YouTube, and and it's sounding great. Um, what's it like for you to to take back some of the the, the older songs and do, uh, you know, the older class, the older catalog from from the band because sure. they were great songs. And and listen, I'm not going to disparage Jack. Jack is a great singer. He was the voice of the band for many years. And yes, you can't say that those albums were no good. They, they damn well they were good. But you're doing a great job. Well, yeah, you know. Thank you. Well, the reason I the reason I'm here today also is because he did such a great job. Yes, of course. Let's face it. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, he he sang those songs beautifully, and um, I have the highest respect for for what he has accomplished. Me too. And, and I think it's yeah, I think it's important that people know that I didn't steal the job. Uh, you know, I just just it was not given to me just like that. I had to earn it, and I had you know it was an interesting story, but. Um, I love to sing those songs, and every night I try to, to do my best. I try to, to respect the way they were sang and written, and, but I still want to give them my little twist without going too far away from, from the way they, they, they were um, originally recorded. But I still want to give them a little bit of the Terry Illus thing because, as I said, I'm, I'm not a clone. You know, I'm not a cookie-cutter kind of guy that likes to repeat things and say, oh, I need to sound like a... I'm yeah. so good at emulating somebody's sound. I mean, Jack and I have a very somehow similar voice, I would say style, which is we both uh, come from the blues. And yeah, thing, well, but... I would say the approach is the same. You, you both approach it from that blues rock kind of school, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's well said. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Uh, but we, again, every night I go on stage and see, it's an honor for me to, to sing those songs. I, I don't take it lightly. I'm, I'm honored to be on stage. And I try to to do my very best. I never. I try to. If I do something wrong, I'm really upset. I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I missed that note, or or it wasn't exactly the way I wanted it to be. I'm very, very, very uh, anal about that. You know, uh, I don't know if we can we say anal. Yeah, of course, and and, and and it's perfectly yeah. fine to. Uh, it, it's nice to see that a band and and you as a singer have standards because I've been to a lot of shows and you go, really. <laughs> like what were you thinking? You know, no, and and no. the one thing about Mark Kendall and Michael Lardy, yourself, and everybody else in Great White, 
is that right. you care about the presentation and you care about delivering something that a fan can go home at the end of the night and say, you know what, the next time they're in town, I'm going to pay to go see them again because it was that good. And, uh, you know, I give you compliments. Well, you know, Mitch, we, I thank you. We, we, when we go on stage, the five of us, we're, we're happy. We, for us, it's, a, it's an important moment where every time I go on stage, I, before I go on stage, I pray. I'm, I'm a Buddhist, you know, and I pray and, and I thank the universe for giving me the chance to be there on stage. And I look at the crowd, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. What a great moment, you know, what, what a wonderful opportunity to, to, to show the, the fans and show myself I, I can still do it, and it's going to sound great. And I'm very proud of, of what we do. Uh, when we have issues, sound issues or whatever, I'm not happy. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe it didn't sound that great or whatever. Right. Things happen, you know. Right. But that's uh, the, that's this the, is a live show. That's the joy of a live yeah. show. I, see, I like hearing at least one mistake per show because then I know <laughs> that I'm not getting some kind of Pro Tools rig that somebody triggered with piped-in vocals. And When a show to me is too perfect, I leave thinking, did I just hear a tape? Did I just, did I just really hear a tape? Because So no, I like mistakes. <laughs> M- mistakes means it's Lala. live. You know? Lala bands. Well, it's like a woman. Okay, check this out. It's like, okay... You're French-Canadian, so you're going to understand that. It's like a woman. A woman cannot be perfect. And if you look at the woman, she's got flaws. She's, she's, you know, can, does she have to be like perfect, like a model and everything? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, it's, I like when nothing is beautiful, but, you know, a couple of things are flaws. You know, I'm like, eh, same for, for men. You know what I mean? So it's important to be natural and, and just to be, to be yourself. And you go on stage, well, you're going to do well. And sometimes you're going to do great, but you need to have standard. You need to give your very best to the fans. You cannot lie. You cannot, I don't like artists, and I'm not going to name anyone, but that use uh, backing track. You know, uh, they don't sing, they dance. I'm like, really? So, and I'm paying $80 to see you dance. Forget about it. Yeah. And, and there's a couple of major arena acts where I, I've, been backstage and I've seen the the, the Pro Tool no, rigs no. that they're running and you're just going Christ and then, then and then they have the audacity to release a live record and you go no come on <laughs> come on <I> know. <laughs> it wasn't I, even live to... <laughs> yeah I heard one the other day you know and it was, uh, so and so releases a new live album and I'm like okay so I go and check it out I'm like dude that doesn't sound live at all I can so hear it's he's redone everything. Um, He's just like, no, man, that doesn't sound live. But whatever, if the public is happy, whatever. Well, at the, really, at know? the end of the day, that's what really matters. If, you, if a fan leaves the venue with a smile on their face, regardless of how the smile got there, the job's been done. And, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the whole yeah. point of music is to bring joy. And, and with that, um, Gypsy Dreams is available now. Full Circle by Great White is available now. And, and they both... Right. Uh, are bringing joy to people, so you know. <laughs> I hope, and they bring me joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very, thank you. I'm very proud of these two albums. Uh, the the Great White album was a great challenge, and and humbled me a lot. Working with Michael uh, Wagner was a wonderful experience. Uh, the five of us being in in, in in a house in Nashville was brilliant. It was the old days, like when we started. Uh, uh, doing music together, you know, when you're 16, 17, you do that, but you don't do that when you, 
when you're 45, 50 years old, you don't do that no more. So that was brilliant. And the, the, uh, my Gypsy Dreams album is what I always wanted to do, which is a, a type of a gypsy gathering, you know, uh, around, around the, the camp, you know, the, the, the fire, campfire, and just play guitars. And it, in fact, Mitch, there's one thing I want to say. We recorded the album live. We went in the studio. Okay. The five of us, we looked at each other. We knew that basically the arrangement. We, we talked about the arrangement, but we just said, okay, you ready? You're ready. And as we were recording, we were looking at each other to, to see if, the, if we would exchange, uh, 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 make a part a little bit longer or shorter. We just looked at each other and just there was a communication. And some things are not perfect. If I listen to some of the things, I'm like, oh, man, there's mistakes here. But it's okay yes. because it's live. And because that's what I like. It's... It's that gypsy gathering. I, I wanted that, you know. So, well, that, and like we said before, with the old Led Zeppelin, the old Kiss album, it's it's about capturing a vibe, and not necessarily about capturing a song. And so, when you listen to no. Gypsy Dreams, and I've and I've had a chance to listen to it many times, and I really, I really enjoy the version of Heaven and Hell, just because it's so not what Heaven and Hell was that it, it's just a completely different song and it's it's just it works it just works it's it's, it's very enjoyable and um thank you yeah and anyway that that's that's that to me it's what an album it's the first be. song it's actually the first song we we, we we worked on because the way it happened is when i was i remember my, my buddy larry who, who by the way larry is you know uh, in charge of the uh uh is the promoter for the uh larry moran yeah, Larry Moran is my, my, my good, good friend. He yep. was my manager years ago. When he said to me, hey, you know what? Uh, those guys, uh, Luis Viegas and Ben Woods are doing, and Mike Bennett, they're doing this kind of flamenco vibe and thing. Uh, would you be, uh, would you be, and you should sing, you know, sit down and sing a song with them. And I was like, all right. So I called Ben and, and Luis, they came over here at my place and, and they looked at me and said, what do you want to do? You know, I said, heaven and hell. And <laughs> Luis said, really? I said, yeah. I said, what do you have in mind? So I, I told him a little bit about the vibe, but Luis is such a brilliant guitar player, and so is Ben, by the way. So he said, oh, this is what I hear as well. And then, boom, that was it. It was the very first song we did. We went, uh, we performed that in front of a crowd at uh, the Masters of Rock, and the audience was very surprised. And I think they've never heard anything like it. They just said, what the heck is that, you know? And I knew, I knew it could be done. I knew that I had to do an album like that. I knew it. I said, you know what? It's going to work. It's going to work. And, you know, we're here today. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Terry, on that, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. Merci always, beaucoup. Always a pleasure to, um, to chat with you. <laughs> and, you. And, and again, thank you for, for, for being part of the KISS tribute album uh, back thank in you. 2013. And I will encourage everybody not only to pick up Gypsy Dreams and Full Circle, but go to YouTube and watch the Forever video that Terry did. Uh, it's touching. It's just, it's just very touching. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You're such a great, great friend. I really appreciate your support, Mitch. Absolutely. Thank you for doing what you've been doing for so many years, you know, um, you know helping the, the, the fans. I mean, you know... Um, helping the bands first of all uh, you know giving the band exposure but also sharing the knowledge your knowledge uh, uh, with the fans out there and if it wasn't for people like yourself well they would never hear about new stuff so uh, uh, i want to thank you you know thank you so much for for your wonderful support very very much you know i really appreciate that 
Yeah, and, and first of all, you're, you're very welcome. And, and I have to say, I've, and this might sound bad, but I've always done it in a very selfish way because I've always loved music and I don't want it to disappear, <laughs> you know? And, and I figured if there's nobody else out there talking about it and keeping it alive, then my joy will disappear and I don't want that to happen. So damn straight, I'm going to talk about it. What do you think about it? What do you think of the state of the music business nowadays? What do you think? I mean, what do you think well, is going to happen in the next... You know, I think like everything, uh, everything evolves. I mean, you look at anything... Sure. You know, the, back in the day, you know, 100 years ago, there were blacksmiths everywhere that were doing shoe horses and, and you know, and then that disappeared. And then there were other people that, you know, jobs and... and, and and th- you know, bank tellers sort of slowly got replaced with bank machines, and and things evolved. Sure. So I think we're in a process now where the music business uh, is evolving. Uh, you know, we went through the late eight nineties and early two thousands where we didn't really know what to do with digital downloads and streaming, and but I think we're we're starting to get to that new normal. I don't think music will ever disappear. I think music will. It might be sold differently. You know, back in the day, you made an album and, and it went to radio and you, you toured and sure, you did all sure. that. But okay, now now if it requires you to put it in a Disney movie or in a commercial, and there is still opportunity to have a career in music. It's just not the same opportunity as 1970. But you know what? The job of a policeman from now in 1970 is not the same job. The job of a teacher now from a job of 1950. Sure. So, so it, it evolves. And I think it'll always keep evolving. Um, I think I do think that the record companies uh, screwed up with uh, digital downloads and stuff. I think they they were very arrogant in their approach and just sort of went, "Bah, we're too big. Nothing will ever happen to us." And it bit them in the in the in the behind. They should have embraced it. They should have monetized it. They should have packaged it. They should have been on top of it. Because um, when, right. when you think about it, the record companies got. Uh, you know, it, it's iTunes and Spotify and all those companies that sort of taught the record companies a, a lesson. They were behind on the curve. But, you know, we're we're getting there. And, and it is nice to see bands like Great White and yourself that are still going on. And listen, the live shows have become very, very, very important. If, if there's no Great White live shows, there's probably not a Great White full circle album because there would be no audience, no... And so, no, the music business will, will go on. It, there, there was an adjustment period, but sure. every, everything has an adjustment period. Yeah. You know, I think you said something very interesting. You said, oh, um, I did it in a selfish way and talking about, you know. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, the music. and the... Don't go away. <laughs> I don't want it to go away. You are, you are, me, personally, you said about releasing the full circle album or the new Gypsy Dreams album or, yeah. or whatever. We do it, I did it in a, in a very selfish way. I wanted to please myself. I said, I need a new album. I need to, I'm bored. I just, I need more than just, even if I would never play those songs live, I don't know. But you know what? I needed the excitement to go in the studio with the guys and, and record the songs and, and, and then put it out there for the fans. And it, I did it to please myself. And, and the band, Great White, we did the same thing. We wanted to please ourselves. You know, we know that the fans want to hear the, the hits. We're, we're not stupid. They want to hear the hits first. But we will include a new song or two per, uh, per performance. Sure. Why? Because we want, to, we want to share that. We want to share our love, the love for our new album, you know, uh, with the fans. But we also want to please ourselves. We're excited about that. We do this business 
not just for the money. I mean, if you do it just for the money, you might as well change job and do something else because there are other ways to make money. You know, we do it because we love it. We do it because when we go on stage, we're like, oh my God, it's so much fun. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm free. You get the highs and you get the lows when you, when you get off the stage, you get sad, you get, it's an interesting uh, feeling to, to go on stage. You know, it's just like high and lows, you know, the, Everybody loves you, and then you're, you go back to your room, you feel a bit, I don't know. I know, because you, you've just done this, this, this great celebration, and, you, and you've shared an experience, and then you're, you're, you're stuck at the motel or at the hotel in your room alone yeah. going, bus calls at 4 a.m., and you go, oh, Christ, I got three hours sleep? Well, I can't sleep, you know. It, it, it is you, a... You know what? Yep. It's, you said it. It's exactly that, Mitch. It's yeah. it. after, usually, we go, you go in your room, it's like after meeting the fans and everything, it's 12 o'clock. By the time you pack your bag, it's 1 o'clock. The adrenaline is still there, and you can't sleep, and you have a 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. lobby call, yep. and you say, well, I'm not going to sleep. So you don't sleep. You watch TV, and then you, 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 you do your emails or whatever, you know, and then time to go. You take a shower. You get on the bus, uh, or, or you go to the airport, you know, whatever, yep. and, uh, and then you have another date, and you're like, wow, I didn't sleep, you know? Yep. It's, it's, we do it. We do it because we love the music. I mean, yeah, it's it's all about the know, passion. It's all about the passion. Well, that's what it's all about. Passion. You you're a journalist because you love. You have the passion to interview people. Yep. You have the passion for music. If you don't do that, if you do it just for the money, I'm sure you'd be doing something else, my friend. You know, oh. where you could be much more successful. Not not necessarily successful, but uh, much richer financially. Financially, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and you know what. Uh, as a, a, a rock journalist, I do it out of the passion. I do it because I want to tell a compelling story because I think I'm able to get a, a good story from, from artists and, and tell a compelling story. Sure. But, you know, you're right. I, I could be doing something else because once in a while, you know, you'll throw something up on the Internet, your new interview, and there's always one person that will criticize this. Oh, you didn't ask that question. You didn't ask the question. You didn't let the artist speak. You didn't. And it's like, you know what, why do I need to bother with this nonsense? <laughs> I, I could just go be a whatever and go do nine to five and come home and have nobody hassling me with any kind of nonsense. But it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's part of the game. It's it, all it's... part of the game and it's part of the passion and it's part of what makes it interesting and, and exciting, quite frankly. Well, haters, you know, haters will always be there. Bullies, haters will yeah. always be there. Because it's really easy to hide behind a computer and, and an yep. email and send an email to people and say, you suck and this and that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do. You know, it's okay. But you take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, whatever. And then you move on and you do your thing. The thing is you're still yourself. You wake yep. up in the morning and you're still Mitch LaFon and say, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to interview you. So and Terry today. and Jack and, and Mark. And yeah, um, yeah, listen. <laughs> yes. I, I've always you know? said, and I think you have to be realistic in life. Just like when you do a show, I have always said I will be the best that I can be. You know, the be- I always try to be the best Mitch Lafon that I can be. Some days, that's absolutely spectacular. Some days, it's just not because of whatever. You yeah. don't feel good, the weather, the w- or you just, well, you know, and, and, and that's okay. But you're sincere, right? Always you're, sincere. You're it's, sincere. It's, yeah. There and, you go. And it's the same thing with your performance. There are some days where you've had the show of your life, and you meant well, yeah. and then there are other days where the show has been a disaster, but it's not because you wanted to do it on purpose. It's just whatever circumstance. Le- and you know what? You get on the stage the next night, and you say, okay, 
I'm not going to cry about it. You want to redeem yourself. Well, yeah. of course. And, and so that's just the way it is, you, you, you know, and, and whatever. But uh, uh, luckily, I haven't seen uh, a lot of haters on the new Full Circle. I haven't seen a lot of haters on the Gypsy Dreams. In fact, I've seen none. And I've yeah. seen n- no, uh, no haters on, on the recent episodes. So everybody's happy. So we're, we're, we're doing well. well. Do well ultimately, people want to hear music. Ultimately, people want to be... But I don't read the hater stuff. I mean, I used to, but it got to me because I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. And I'm like, why do they say all these things, you know? I mean, why do they have to, why so much hate? I mean, you know, it's okay. It's just, and then I grew out of it. I'm like, no, it's okay. Let them be. They will never change. It's not about me. It's about them. That's my, my attitude in psychology. I'm like, well, you know what? It's, it, it, you know, well, it, I, it's I, them, not myself. You know, it's funny because... Uh, on my Facebook, I'll post a lot of stuff about Kiss or a lot about, and there are people yeah. that will always, I'll put a Kiss thing up, for example, and they'll say, this guy in Kiss is awful, and that guy in Kiss, and when you look over it, over a longitudinal or latitude, you know, what, you know a long term, you notice it's the same three or four people, and this is like, <laughs> I, I, start, I sometimes feel very sad for them. I go, why, why are you so angry in your life that you can't just either enjoy what the band is doing or simply just let it go. I mean, if you don't, you know, there, there are some bands that I don't like and I'm not going to name names cause I don't want to get into that, but there, there are some bands no, I don't no, like yeah. and I see people mm-hmm. post stuff about them. And my initial reaction is, Oh, those effers, you know, I, I can't stand. Yeah. But I don't type it out. I just ignore it because I go, you know what? The guy posted it on his page because he's a fan. He likes them. Why should I go rob him or her of their moment of of them enjoying that band, I don't. I shouldn't, so I don't. But I'll think it. I'll say, Ugh, I hate that band. They're awful. But why? Why would I? You know, why? Why ruin somebody else's fun? I just. I don't get it. And I, I do feel sort of sad sometimes when you see the same four or five people always. This is bad. It's like, man, well, bad. the people that do that, Mitch, are people that have issues with themselves. Yep. It's very simple. Just psychology. They have problems with themselves, so. In order to forget about their problems, they what do they do? They go and lash out on somebody else. They go bully. It's like a bully, you know. Yep. <clears throat> if you look at him, he's he's got so many issues. But what is he gonna do? He's gonna he, he's gonna attack a little person or somebody else and say, you know what, you're this, you're that, you know, because it's gonna make him forget about his own problems. Yep. It's exactly that. But if you sit down with him and say, you know, let me tell you about your problem, and if he can. Make him listen without you beating you up, <laughs> him, yeah. him beating you up, you know. And then, well, you know, the truth is, he will say, hmm, "Maybe, yeah. maybe he's right or she's right, whatever." You know, yeah, I agree. Just, some I agree. some people have hate, but it's not it's not their fault. It's just because they don't think that you know, whatever, you know. It is. Anyway, it was great talking to you, Mitch, and merci, I hope merci. to see you in July. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's a, a show at the Turning Stone Casino in Verona, New York. It's about three and a half hours from me. I believe you're there with Slaughter. I'll have to check that. Um, oh, great. Yeah, you yeah, know I'm what? Uh, that's the closest you're going to get to me from the from the shows that have been announced. Maybe I'll announce some other ones later, but uh, it's been so yeah, long since I've seen Great White. I mean, honestly, I think it was... Hmm. I... <sighs> It might have been on the Poison tour, like in 1999 or 2000. I mean, that's we're talking way too long. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so so. I got to I got to change that. And if it's a three and a half hour drive that's going to take to do it, then uh, we're going to do it. So I will. Um, Great. 
I will. I will definitely mm-hmm. make that uh, circle my calendar and make sure I get out to that one. And uh, make very sure, much. Please make sure you make sure you talk to the band uh, and our, our publicist uh, so she can arrange things for you. And, and that'd be great yeah. to see you and, and yeah. you know and, and chat a bit. You know. Yep. Face to face, face to face, as we face say. Face to face after the show. Yes, all sir. right, brother. Thank you. You, you be well. Yep. You too. And now. And take care. Take yeah. care of yourself. All right. Thank you. Merci. Bye bye. Thank bye. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Au revoir. Download new episodes of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn every Monday at Podcast One and on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. President Trump denies it. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. President Trump denies on Twitter using vulgar language when questioning why the U.S. would accept more immigrants from Haiti and African nations. 17 dead, 43 missing in Southern California after Tuesday's heavy rain and devastating mudslides. Santa Barbara County Sheriff Bill Brown is asking people to evacuate some areas so search and rescue crews can do their jobs. It is seriously impacting the ability of search and rescue, public works, other first responders and repair crews to clear roadways and to engage in search and rescue repair and damage assessment operations. Missouri Governor and former Navy SEAL Eric Greitens is now under investigation after acknowledging an extramarital affair but denying anything more, including accusations that he tried to blackmail the woman into keeping quiet. I'm Rita Foley. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.